Welcome to another episode of Fire's Fire. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, uh, RJ Ellis and the talented Dr. Brian Paul. Um, today we have kind of an impromptu episode, but I'm actually really, really excited about it. Um, we're going to be talking to Todd from Rosenheads, which is a new company here in Canada. And it's someone who a lot of us in Canada probably have already known um, indirectly and someone who's been involved in the legacy space for a really long time. And I think Todd offers a really cool perspective on the Canadian landscape and what somebody small from a traditional market can do when they're motivated. And so without further ado, I want to welcome Todd of Rosinheads onto the show. Todd, welcome. Thank you guys. Happy to be here. Thanks for coming along, man. Yeah, you, uh, you, you, you've really carved out a name for yourself, I think, in, in Rosin Heads over the past uh, year or two, and it's uh, it's quite commendable. So I'm happy to have you. Um, yeah, it's like uh, nine months, perhaps, that Rosin Heads has been around. So <laughs> It's only been nine months, really. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Because I remember when you first came out, you were doing... Uh, now you've got, yeah, these round ones, but I think they were like tiles almost. Yeah, there, there's been a few iterations. Um, I did some Egyptian tiles. Um, I, you know, I started with the, with the Ganeshas and the Buddhas. Um, moved away from them just um, out of respect, really. Um, the Hamsa, to me, still has some significant meaning. Uh, so that's why I'm still using that mold. And, um, you know, that's the one that's compliant in the legal space. So... Um, that's the one that I'm moving forward with, right? Awesome. Yeah, no, I like, I love the styling of it. I think you've done a fantastic job. And I mean, yeah, especially for like the legal space, really, it just says rosin heads and, uh, you know, your, your product speaks, speaks for itself. It's not like, uh, you know, there, there's any, any, you know, glitch marketing. There's no, you know, gimmicky shit going on. It's just, you know, bring it, bring in the fire. Solid. These are great. Like I love the packaging. Um, uh, everyone looks super crisp. I can't wait to eat these things. Where's Jameson at? Like what's? I don't know. He dropped off for a minute, but I I know. So the one the one here, he gave me this one for Christmas. So I've been, I've been nodding into these ones. The uh, what are these? The milk chocolate fudge cookies and the cookies and cream. Yeah. But opening up these ones that, you know, the peanut butter collection. Oh, God, man, you're after like. Yeah, next level here with that, with the peanut butter. I opened the, the bag and I was just like smacked in the face with like, yeah, I, I almost, yeah, I almost started eating them before we, uh, before we got on. Yeah, we just had another uh, little production meeting and I just had them sitting out beside me here and I'm just getting wafts of just like mad, just peanut butter chocolate just hit me in the face. I've been so excited to get you on so we can actually start munching. And then Jameson said the other day, he's like, yo, you guys realize how much is in these? And, uh, yo, they smack. And I think that's like, it's one of the dangerous things when you have a really good tasting, you know, edible and they're actually, you know, dosed. Um, and then maybe we want to talk about in a little bit as far as being rosin and, and, and versus, uh, you know, distillate or whatever, um, edibles, you know, why you went in that direction. Um, I'll let Jameson, he usually guides us through everything. So he's getting set up. I think he got like kicked off or something here. I did get kicked off. I'm just, I'm going to come right back in here right now. Oh, you're hitting the multiples. Oh shit. Okay. I'm good now. Okay. So I'm super excited about this show. Sorry about the technical difficulty. So I've known Todd longer than I've known Todd because I've known about the can of chocolate here for a really long time growing up here in Canada. And I think a lot of us um that grew up using cannabis probably are familiar whether we know it or not with some of your work and and i think that you know this show is really about highlighting individuals who are makers that come from the traditional market and have transitioned to the legal market and i you know really can't think of many people better to have on and, and chat with than yourself we reconnected or, or i guess first connected in person um doing some some genetic business when you were working at one of the biggest publicly traded companies in Canada and um 
you actually walked away from a director role at that company to pursue your dream of, 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 uh, and, and build your own brand. And, and, you know, that's what we're here today to talk about. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to get into it. And so just, just, we like to start every show with kind of history, Todd, like what got you started in cannabis? What got you on this path? Yeah. So, um, really simple, actually, um, 2015, 2016, uh, when all the dispensaries were popping up in Toronto, I got my medical license. I hit every dispensary in town, bought every edible on the market. Um, the unfortunate thing one day I was sitting with my friends, um, I ate some edibles that I considered to be horrible and, you know, they, they all looked at me and told them that they told me that they were amazing. And, you know, I, I asked a simple question, why are they amazing? And they said, well, I got really high. I'm like, but they tasted bad. Yeah. But I got really high. Um, you know, so that got me thinking, right. Um, I'm not a second class citizen because I consume cannabis. I shouldn't have to consume second class food products if I want cannabis in them. Um, so from there, um, I met an MMAR grower. I started doing some extractions for him. I started my first company called Shatter Sweets. Uh, six months after I founded that company, I was doing all the green markets and everything in Toronto. Um, I licensed it to somebody who was supposed to take it to Nevada. Um, they kind of shit the bed with that deal. But overnight, I rebranded as a can of chocolate here with the sole focus on chocolate, right? One of the things you would see in the legacy market is nobody was focused. If somebody launched a cupcake one week, um, and it did well, everybody the next week or the next month would have that same cupcake. Um, and then they would move to hard candy. They would move to gummies. They would move to whatever they thought would sell that week. There was never any focus. And that's why nobody was getting good at anything. Right. Um, so from there, like I said, I just focused on chocolate, rebranded as a can of chocolatier, uh, worked on that brand from 2016 to 2019. Um, I ended up talking to 27 different LPs about that brand. Uh, basically started sending uh, cold emails to all the CEOs, um, spoke to 27 different LPs, uh, ended up selling to one of the largest LPs in Canada. From there, um, they kind of ran out of money, uh, shut their edible program down. Uh, so I worked there for three years in many different roles, category management, product development, and R&D. Um, and then when they offered me the director role, that's when I kind of knew if I took that role, I'd get too comfortable and, you know, the dream would die. So I walked away from that, um, started this, like I said, about nine months ago. And, um, I'm just about to transition this into the, into the legal market very, very soon. You're on mute. You're on mute buddy. Here we go. I said that that's so awesome. Like, I think you've been really successful in being able to quickly uh, get eyes on what is an incredible product. I mean, just eating these, like that is extremely high-end chocolate that tastes beautifully. And like, you know, there's GMO rosin in there. And I, there's no, there's no, um, pairs so nicely that I, I'm not getting any type of offensive taste from the GMO. I, I, I can tell that it's cannabis. I can tell that it's rousing, but it, it just, it's really nice. So tell me, Todd, do you have a background in, in confection or, or confectionery sweets or that raspberry chocolate Raspberry is unbelievable. I've never had raspberry chocolate. It actually tastes like raspberry. Yeah. And like, did you guys, I, did you guys go raspberry first? Or did you guys go milk? Yeah. First? I went raspberry first. Well, yo, hold on. I have, I know people that work at Lint, so I've had a lot of chocolate. Like I don't even eat chocolate because I eat so much chocolate. Like every flavor that's out there, this is some solid fucking chocolate, bro. So that raspberry chocolate, three ingredients, raspberry puree, cocoa butter and sugar, and then the hash rosin, right? Sorry, I had to interrupt. I like my mind was blown when I, do you have a background in chocolate? Oh, fuck. No, That's so, um, no, like, uh, basically what happened was, uh, with Shattered Sweets, you know, I, I, I was much like everybody else. I was doing hard candy. I was doing chocolate. I was doing everything. Um, but I realized at one point after I spent, um, about a week and a half getting ready for a green market, that the only thing that I actually enjoyed making was chocolate. So from there, um, you know, one of my first chocolate products, I called space sponge toffee, right? It was just sponge toffee that was dipped in chocolate. 
I was getting some bloom quite often, which is like the white film you see on the outside of chocolate. That's when you're not maintaining the proper temperatures. And I was throwing out a lot of chocolate. What? That's the wax, right? Coming out. Yeah, it's the fat separating, right, from the sugars. Um, So I was throwing out a lot of chocolate back then. So um, I took a three-hour class, which was basically like a date night class where, you know, you would take take your girl to. And in that class, they showed me how to make truffles and how to make ganache right? It, a light bulb went off, right? This is 2016. Nobody in cannabis was making truffles. Nobody in the U.S., nobody was doing truffles. So, you know, the light bulb went off and I'm just like, this is it. Um, and that was it. So from there, like it just, it, it literally consumed my life. Uh, you know, some people watch sports, some people play video games, some people have fun. Um, to me, you know, creating brands, developing recipes, that's what I consider fun. Okay, so I gotta I gotta commend you. Um, the first bite of that raspberry peanut butter cup tastes like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, that's and that's the like, goal, right? That, it, that yeah, no, that, that's that's like pow. Like yeah. I would if you make those non like without rosin, I would buy like bars. Oh, that's bars. insane. See, so good. That right there, that right there is a goal, and that should be the goal for any edible maker to get to a point where people want to buy their edibles without the cannabis. So wait, will you make them without cannabis so I can buy them? <laughs> I, I often do, but you have to pay me the same price as the infused ones or else it's not worth my time. You know, and I would, I would, uh, surprisingly, I would almost still do that though. Like it's that good. People, people do, people do. Because it's not, like it's one of those people, things where it's like, I almost, I almost like want like my kids to have it. Cause it's like, that's so good. Like the flavor on good. that is so next level. It's like, okay, I would kind of maybe for that that's like that and then and i don't think there's there's many edibles that i i can't think of any other edible that i've ever had that i would want to have without you know any rosin or, or any like whatever dosing in it so that's to clean. me that tells, very like, clean that, flavor tells too. Guys, that tells me that i'm i'm close to achieving my goal right because that's always been the goal is to not feel like something that I'm eating, I wouldn't eat without cannabis. So I'm getting there. Yeah. And like clean flavor, like just like the slightest, tiniest kiss of like cannabis at the end, which I love, like it's not weedy at all. You know, and and those are the, those are the 50 milligram ones I sent you guys, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, at the 10 milligram legal level, uh, no, you know, the taste is, is very minimal, right? So. No, this so- is. Todd, what advice do you have? Like, as somebody who successfully navigated the pitfalls of transitioning uh, a traditional brand into the, the legal space, and even if you're not able to to transition rosin heads, you you you've been able to run the gauntlet. What what uh, what advice do you have for for others coming behind you? Um, like honestly, I I haven't done anything special here, guys. Like all I've done is believed in myself. Um, you know, set a very clear vision for myself, um, clearly defined where I want to go. And, you know, there's, there's just no stopping me at that point. Right. Um, so that's all it is. I believe in myself. That's, that's the only difference between me and perhaps somebody else is I truly believe in myself. I'm, I'm willing to be laughed at, you know, um, like I said, with Canada Chocolatier, I met with 27 different LPs, you know, probably 15 of them at that time. This is 2019 before edibles were even legal. I started talking to uh, LPs in 2018 before we even knew what the regulation would be for edibles. I got laughed out of the room, you know, multiple times, right? And, you know, the next day I picked myself up and hit up other LPs and, you know, just kept going. So that's the only advice, just keep going. And, you know, are you, do you feel that, um, do you feel that like rods and heads and, and, your creation of that brand is something that can be repeated by somebody like you who comes from the traditional market and understands, you know, how to, how to build brands and, 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 and how to speak to consumers. I mean, the biggest issue that I see in industries is when I'm talking to large companies and then I tell them, you know, this is, this is something you could, you could, you could market around. And then they go, oh, we'll work, run that by our marketing team. And the marketing team is, you know, not have any experience truthfully and personally with cannabis for any amount of time. And and the way that they look at things is, is much different than, you know, than the average 
that or the consumers that they're trying to target. And I think you've really got a, a pulse on the industry as, you know, as a guy who likes to consume uh, a lot of solventless um, extracts, like, and, and high-end solventless extracts, this is exactly what I would, if I'm having an edible, this is, this is the edible that I want to be having. Um, and so, you know, what, to my question, do you think that, that this is a unique situation with rosin heads, or do you think that with your experience, you know, you have 10 more brands in you? Yeah. I mean, here's, here's a funny story, right? Rosin heads was, was not supposed to be the brand that I was going to be working on. Um, I, I have a couple other br brands in the background that I, that I haven't really showed anybody. Rosin heads actually came about, um, in a parking lot. I was, um, I basically, I was, I was doing, uh, some psilocybin chocolates at the time. Um, you know, the Buddha heads and, um, my, my buddy from C solvent list asked me one day if I wanted, I was giving him some Buddha heads. He asked me one day if I wanted to make rosin chocolates. You know, we looked at each other in the parking lot. We're like rosin heads. And, you know, that's how it came about. Um, and from there, like, honestly, like to answer your question, you know, just to get straight to the point, um, 100%, this is repeatable from anybody. In my opinion, the formula is pretty simple. Have a solid product, know your consumer, know how to talk to them, respect your consumer, right? It's pretty, it's pretty simple. And I think the last three things that I mentioned there. The LPs aren't doing right. So, um, and you know, consumer respect, consumer respect's the biggest one, right? I don't, you know, it's funny, right? After doing all these marketing assets for, you know, several different LPs, you know, over, over my time here, right. We're always telling people how to consume the products. Right. And, and, and I've always laughed at it, right. Cause these guys have been, you know, people have been consuming the products before any of these LPs were LPs. Right. So like, it always made me feel. You know, like it, it just, it didn't feel right. You know what I mean? That's, that's why I had to get out of, you know, the traditional corporate legal space and just kind of try to carve my own path. Right. And I think that that's, you know, that's what this, a lot of this show is about. That's what I'm about. That I'm about helping guys like that who don't necessarily go with the grain and don't want to buy into, you know, the corporate mids culture and want to still, still compete and be relevant. And so. You know, I just think it's so cool, you know, and, and, and shame on me. I remember talking to you and I remember you kind of telling me what you were going to do. And I was like, man, that's a, that's a tall order. And, and, you know, for, for, you know, you had it, you had it pretty good and um, <laughs> I've caught nothing but mad respect for you and what you've built, how, you know, how integral in your marketing plan were, uh, was your network like it seemed like you were able to get these boxes into the hands of people very quickly across Canada and and get a lot of visibility quickly was that something that you found difficult or, or were you able to draw on your network or how, how were you able to achieve that um well it see it, it was much it was much more difficult than it should have been because when when I first started out with this I wasn't connecting the dots between Ross and has a can of chocolate care so I couldn't reach out to the network that I built with the can of chocolate here. So like literally with rosin heads, I, I had to start with scratch. And even, even people I knew at the time didn't know rosin heads was me. Uh, it was funny because, you know, I was getting some DMs. I was getting some people saying, hey, like, I know this is you, Todd, you know, just from the style of chocolates and everything. But like, I, I always just denied it to, to a certain point, right? Um, so, yeah. I, think, I, thought, I uh, thought you were Steve Solventless, to be honest. Yeah. So, you know, I think that really helped. He's got, he's got a, a big network. He got me into, um, the hands of, of a lot of people that, that I didn't know. And then, you know, I started, um, you know, reaching out to the people that I did know eventually and, you know, getting it out that way. Right. Cause that's the thing. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you, you've been like legitimate since Rosin had started, like, I don't know. I guess that's what I guess Jameson was getting at I, through your network, or I guess through your past or how you ever you've approached people, you've come legitimate. You didn't come like someone, you know, poach it, you know, trying to press mids to everybody. And like, it's come with pure respect and everybody's speak spoken so highly of you from the very beginning. And it's like, there seems to have been no learning curve. So it's like, 
how did you do such a good job so quickly? Was it that you already have a history? Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I'd already done it with, with can of chocolatier. Uh, you know, I knew exactly what not to do this time. I knew exactly how to get people excited with the branding. Um, you know, I think I've done a better job with rosin heads than I was doing with can of chocolatier. Uh, but you know, you live and you learn, right? Um, and, and, you know, I think one of the reasons why it came across so genuine was because it was, right? It's not like I was giving these boxes away and, and begging people for reviews, right? These were $200 boxes that people were buying, right? So it, it was super legitimate because, like, it was it was organic, right? I wasn't, I wasn't going around begging people, you know, for a review. No, but to the same thing, you, you get people asking, yo, here's, here's my product it's it's two hundred dollars but even but it's just it doesn't it's not right you know what i mean but yours was it's never been like that yeah and i think honestly like and what i find and you know where where i think i need to go with the legal market is i i just need somebody to try the product once um you know for the most part everybody likes it right so um and it really snowballed on ig you know uh you know i had the right people posting on their stories at the right time um, and it just, it kind of took off from there. Right. And I, and I think because the message was consistent most of the time where everybody's saying, you know, this is the best or one of the best, um, that got people excited. Right. Uh, beyond that, the, the limited availability, um, also really helped with that. Right. Cause it was hard to get, I can't, I can't make enough for everybody. You know what I mean? And that was never my goal. Right. My goal was just to, to do enough to get the brand out there, to be able to make the transition. And, and have some equity when I do the transition, right? Smart. It's smart. I mean, well, I think, it, as you said, from the start, focus on quality and look at what's come, come of it, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, and not sticking to one mold form or form factor, you know, like I always watch your page and, and it's so artistic, but, you know, I'm, I'm Egyptian. And like when you put those Egyptian hieroglyphs out, I thought those were so cool. And then, you know, we've got real deal resin coming on. Uh, on Sunday and like today you posted the luchadors and I was like, oh man, that's crazy. Like, and then, you know, you just think of like so many different optionalities and for a guy who, you know, is usually focused on, you know, cannabis concentrates or, or flour, it's not, you know, edibles aren't something that I see that much creativity in. And, and so it's really refreshing when, you know, somebody like you comes along and really pushes the envelope on something because, you know, I, if I'm eating an edible, that's, that's what I want to eat. Um, you know, something that tastes like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in my mouth. That, 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 that's, uh, that's, that's awesome. And, and so I, I'm, I'm super excited. So when the, when you come to the Canadian market, are you going to be coming originally as Rosin Heads or are you going to be coming under another name? Um, so I'll, I'm going to, the first pro promise I'm going to be launching in is going to be Alberta. Um, there's, we ran into a little hiccup when we, when we submitted in Alberta, there's a, a registration process that even brand owners have to go through that takes two to four months. So in order to get to market faster, I'm going to be going out to market in Alberta under the sales licenses brand. We've created a sub brand for chocolate. I'm not going to disclose that yet. There'll be a press release soon. Um, but everything's going to be the same. It's the exact uh, two products you guys have in front of you. Same handsome mold. Is this going to have a different brand name on it? Um, and I'm, we're going to do some cross promotion, right? So, you know, it'll be that brand by Rosin has kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, the, the goal is to be in, be in Alberta for June, uh, BC and Saskatchewan, hopefully for July, and then hit the next product call for Ontario to, to get to market for September and all the provinces except for Alberta will be the Rosin has brand. Oh, cool. Oh, very cool. It's only Alberta because Alberta has, like I said, this registration process, you have to do a background check. You have to submit your business plan, your finances for the last three years, um, you know, pay them 3000 bucks and then wait four months. Uh, so in order to get to market quicker, I just, I, I approached the sales license and, you know, I made the request, can I just brand it with your brand? Um, to me, I kind of just want to move units. I think the product speaks for itself. I think, uh, just the mold in itself, people will see the ham, so they will know it's rosin heads. It won't really matter what it says on the package, hopefully. Um, you know, I'm going to do a big marketing campaign to try to try to really get the word out. Um, but you know, that got me to market four months faster. Right. And I make the same amount of money. So it's, it's, you know, to me, it's a no brainer to just get to market. Right. Absolutely. I mean, if you're getting a Kit Kat and it's stamped Kit Kat and it comes in like a different wrapper, 
you know what you're eating. Yeah. No, I think that that's, I mean, these are, I think these are gold bars for individuals in the Canadian space looking to make an impact, you know, don't think it can be done by a single guy on, on a shoestring on a small budget. And I think, you know, you're living proof that that, that, that can happen. And, and so, you know, this is really what this show is all about and, and kind of highlighting guys like you. Um, and so I wanted to talk about your experience at Hex, at, at, at the large public charity company that you worked for. Um, what insight <laughs> did you, what insight did you get, did you gain, um, working for that large entity? Like what did you learn that has, that has helped you on your journey now that, that you didn't know before going into it? Everything. No, um, those three years were super helpful, right? So, um, I started out developing chocolates for the first six months. They, uh, they ran out of money. The first thing they shut down was their edible program. From there, I got moved into a uh, new product development. Uh, the, the goal of that team was to find the white space in the market, come up with crazy ideas, things that have never been seen before. Uh, so basically for six months, all we did was, uh, develop product concepts in PowerPoint. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, you know, 90% of it, um, was dumb, right? But that, that was a mandate at the time, right? Um, they ran out of money again. So the new product development team got, got killed. Uh, from there, there was a team developed called, um, category management. However, um, because they had no money and my salary was, uh, you know, a little over the top at the time, um, they couldn't put me in the category management payroll bucket, so to speak. So, um, they put me in R and D with all the scientists. So I had a dual role where, you know, on paper, I was reporting R and D. I was, I was really helping R and D with a lot of stuff, but you know, my mandate became category management. So, you know, products, positioning and pricing, right. Own the product portfolio. I started out, um, owning flour, pre-rolls and extracts. One of the largest LPs in the country, right? Like ridiculous amounts of uh, responsibility. Um, from there, um, I I basically transitioned to just managing extract. Launched some really cool products in the market. Some you know first products um, never seen before in the Canadian Canadian market space. But really, what what I learned was um, you know how to price my pro my products properly how to do the market analysis, how to, how to understand the trends, where the market's going. Um, and, and as much as I learned though, um, I always just fall back on, on my natural instinct, which is just create a good product, um, treat the consumer with respect, price it fairly so people can afford it. And you know, it's, um, that, that's always just been my, my strategy. So. Do you know what your price point's going to be in the Canadian market here for, for these, or is that not something that you're releasing yet? Yeah. I mean, we, we've got it all figured out. Um, but it, uh, I can tell you that, uh, one of those troubles is going to be cheaper than, uh, most gummies on the market. So obviously, obviously, you know, I can't compete with, uh, you know, with the Indie bar or the bang price point, uh, just yet. Um, but, but I'll be cheaper than, I'll be cheaper than, uh, you know, a lot of gummies on market, right? My, my whole, my whole, um, I, I want to drive velocity more than, more than I want to make, you know, significant margin on each product. You know, I want, I want, like I said, I want, uh, price, I want the product to be priced fairly for the customers. So they come back. Right. I'm not trying to just sell it once as a money grab. I was going to say at that, at that price point, it's like you can grab four, five, six. So here's, here, here's the, the, the thinking, you know, be, behind the, the Rosin S brand, right? When, when I was thinking about, you know, how to, how to position this brand and everything, and you know, why to use Rosin, for example, uh, concentrate consumers in the, in the legal mar market have a, a higher basket size, right? So, uh, concentrate consumers going to buy a gram of Rosin at $70. They're buying, you know, two to three of those a week, potentially. Whereas the people, right? So those are the customers I want to target. They're spending a lot of money. The people that are going out and buying the $5 bang chocolates, uh, typically buy, you know, your $99 ounce and they try to make it last them a week or two, 
right? So the concentrated consumers, my goal is somebody goes in and buys a $70 gram of rosin. They can buy one of each of my chocolates and still be on under a hundred dollars at checkout. Sexy rosin. Yeah, no, that's, that's solid. Jameson, you're on mute. I said the, pr the price point is right. I mean, knowing, understanding that is, is half the battle. And so I think that, that, you know, you were able to get some really valuable insight um, to help you get everything together that you need to, to, to take a, a complete package to a licensed producer and say, Hey, listen, this is valuable and here's why. And I've even got the market interest to prove it. So, you know, I want to, I, I really want to just promote more of this because this is real. This is organic. This is, you know, somebody who's been doing it for a really long time and, um, yeah, I, I commend you, Todd. I think that you you had a you you had a vision and you executed on it, and and that's rare. I think you know a lot of people got into cannabis to get rich quick, and and you know I think that you know of course if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't you know it doesn't make if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. But it, uh, it you know this this is coming from from a point of passion, and you know you you presented me with 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 a box, and and um, when we were when we connected in Toronto and, and you could just tell, you know, um, it's, it's like, I can tell a grower or somebody who's about cannabis by the way that they hand somebody else cannabis. Um, it, it, there's, there's a respect there and there's a, there was a respect with, you know, what, what you had created and, and, and there's an absolute art in it. And so, you know, I, I, I commend you for what you've done and, and you know, thanks so much for, we're taking the time to, to, to sit down. I know it was last minute and, uh, you know, you got some incredible products and I think that, um, you know, something I'm, that we also don't stuff. talk about much is quality at scale too, right? We, we kind of focus on a lot of small batch guys doing, you know, lots of small stuff, but to, to roll out products like this at scale definitely is, it's not easy and definitely, you know, uh, big ups on that too, because to, to be able to keep a good, you know, good quality product like that, especially across the country, across the country in a nationwide market, um, is big. Um, so kudos to yeah, you. Yeah. For, for the legal market, um, you know, I, I spent significant time, um, choosing the right co-manufacturer. Um, funny story, right? Like I've been, I've been specifying the same equipment every time that I spoke to an LP, um, you know, and I've never been able to purchase it, right. It's quite expensive. And uh, I haven't been able to get that kind of money out of anybody. I walked into the co-manufacturer facility. I saw every single piece of equipment that I wanted to work at, right? And I just looked at them. I let them try the products. They looked at my products. They looked at me. They're like, like we want to run these products. I'm like, let's go. So, uh, you know, um, it, it's good, right? I, I seem to have a lot of people behind me supporting me here. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's humbling to say the least because... Um, you know, most of the people that support me, I, I don't know them. Um, and you know, the, the, the one thing I want to apologize to anybody who might see this is I'm not very responsive on IG. Um, you know, typically when somebody asks, um, where they can get the products, um, either they don't get a response or else I just basically tell them I'm transitioning to the legal market and, you know, I'm sorry. Um, you know, that, that's. The one thing that I wish I wish I I'd done better with rosin heads is uh, communicate better with uh, with consumers and you know uh, let them know that there's there's no hard feelings it's nothing personal at all I just need to focus on the goal at hand so you know often there's not enough products to go around I'm a one man show so some weeks I can't make any product because you know I'm doing paperwork so that's where, that's where I'm going to try to improve moving forward is just try to uh, communicate better with consumers. Well, I think as well, when you have a really good product, you don't have people communicating with you to complain and try and get either money back or how to improve. You've yeah. got people trying to contact you to get your product because it's been so good and so well received. So I think that's somewhat acceptable. It's the same thing. I mean, I don't want to say you're, you know, you're as big as like a Kanye West or something, but like, you know, you message one of those people on Instagram, you're not getting a response. 
Yeah, I mean, typically, you know, for for the most part, it's just I haven't done, I haven't been, do, uh, like, I don't do the sales, you know what I mean? There, It's always collaborations. If you notice, everything that I do is a collaboration with someone's input. And, you know, all I do is make chocolate. You know what I mean? Todd, I want to ask you about, so these chocolates you sent us, this was GMO rosin that was used in here now. When you uh, receive uh, rosin to work with and you smell a profile, are there certain, does, does that denote uh, or limit you on, on certain profiles of chocolate that you can work with? Like, does GMO work with your raspberry and peanut butter and your, your milk chocolate and peanut butter better than it works with another one of your offerings? Like, do you have to play matchmaker with Terps? Often I do. Um, sometimes I'm limited by, by what I have on hand. Um, the, so, so when I first started working on transition, that's the legal market. I built, I built a spreadsheet of all the, um, of all the chocolate flavors I have, all the different terpene profiles that match those chocolate flavors. And then other columns with, you know, top one, two, three strains with those terpene profiles that can match what I'm trying to do. Right. Um, the, the mimosa works really well with the raspberry chocolate. It's one of the best pairings that I've ever, that I've ever done. I can put 200 milligrams of the, the mimosa rosin with one of those raspberry chocolates. And like, honestly, I don't think you can taste the rosin at all. You just taste um, a compliment to the raspberry. That's, That's so cool. That's fair. So, no, uh, I don't think anybody's doing that and going through that thought process. Or if they are, they right have to talk super. Right the, now, um, the the first strain that we're going to go to the legal market with um, is orange tings, uh, which is going to pair really well with uh, with the raspberry. So, oh, for sure, will that's very cool. That's awesome. So yeah, everything we're going to be doing in the legal market will be strain specific. We'll be calling it out. Um, you know, there's challenges with the legal market that people don't often often recognize. Uh, my packaging, if I, every package. Um, every new label that I need or printed packaging, 50,000 is my minimum quantity, right? So um, as much as I want to have terpene information, I want to have certain information on the packaging, I just might not be able to based on those limitations, right? If I if I order packaging in smaller quantities, you know, the, the, the cost is double, right? So it's just not feasible for me. I'm not working on like a, a super high margin on these products. So, you know, when there's situations such as um, a strain change, you know, we'll communicate it very clearly with cell sheets, um, you know, uh, notify all the bud tenders, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I might not be able to have all the information on the packaging just because of those limitations, right? Once, uh, you know, once... You're holding yourself to a different standard. I mean, like, you know, no every other edible baker doesn't even consider these, make these considerations, you know, so I think that, you know, exactly what I was going to say. Much respect to you for even, you know, coming, apologizing for something that nobody, nobody has even thought to apologize for. So I think that well, that's, it, it's funny, right? Cause what I learned, what I learned at, um, the large LP was, was a term that, um, makes me laugh to this day, right? MVP. And, you know, in, in the common world, MVP means most valuable player at a large LP MVP means minimal viable product. Meaning, just get the shit out the door. Okay? Um, in my mind, I know what the ideal product is. I will never, ever be anywhere near a minimal viable product. I, I can assure you guys that. And that's, and that's what this community appreciates. You know, like, we, we appreciate artistry. We appreciate, like, look at, look at glass. Look at, you know... Uh, the hash that we smoke, the, all, all these things that, you know, there, there's such an appreciation from this community for the finer things and, and trying to sell a distillate gummy to a, somebody who smokes rosin is, is, is really, you know, insulting. It's, it's insulting. Yeah. But I'm trying to, I'm trying I mean, I was going to say too, that, just to go on that side, you know, let, let's go off on like just glass and then people that are spending money on on rosin and on you know fire fire packs that are putting those dollar downs those dollars down when they get together they're not like when we get together we're not going to mcdonald's we're spending money on food and we're fucking critical of that food 
And like, we think about the terpene profile and Jameson has like this obsession of having like a, a terpene dab, you know, like connection in between courses and like, you know, potentially even having a, 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 a dosed meal that also, you know, potentially could have paired terpenes depending on what you're eating. Again, you know, like nobody's servicing that side of things. And there's a lot of dollars that go out. Like how many of our friends go to like, try and seek out Michelin stars. How many of our friends seek out the most expensive sushi or like the most exclusive sushi? You're already enjoying the finer things on one side. So why not continue to enjoy the It's about things? knowing your, knowing your audience. And, and that's what Todd's been able to do. I mean, through the years, he's, he's gotten to know it and, it and, you know, and then went on the other side and, and learned about getting what, what it entails to get a product to market from, from a giant corporate entity. And, you know, I just think that it's, it's a really cool, it's really cool what you've done. And I'm, I'm really excited to watch what you continue to do. And I think that you've provided a bit of a framework for people to come after you. And, and I hope you did. I hope you've laid the trap because, you know, this is the kind of product that the Canadians market needs to know about. Like what's, this is something if my U.S. homies flew into town, I would tell them, I'd be like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing you some of these rasin heads. You have to try this. Like you have to try. It'd be the one thing I'd probably tell them to go. They need like, to buy from the legal store. Yeah. And it's going to be better than anything they've had before. And it's worth it. Cause when, cause when we're traveling around like us, us weed people, like we're always just trying to bring some experience to our friends. That's, you know better, new, or different that they haven't had. And, and that's something that, you know, I go to the U S I haven't had something like that. And so I yeah. to, 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 to show somebody that and, and see their experience with it. Cause I love the, the, the raspberry is crazy. Yeah. I've actually, um, I've gotten these chocolates in the hands of uh, quite a few people in California and, uh, they're telling me the same that, um, they don't have anything like that down there either. So. Uh, you know, obviously that's the next market I'm going to go after. Um, if I can figure that out and, you know, I think I know the formula now from Canada. Um, I think it's rinse and repeat for the U S once I figure out Cali and, uh, you know, it should be rinse and repeat for several states. So, you know, that's the end goal, but you know, it's been a, been a hard grind trying to get uh, Canada landed. So, uh, you know, let's hope this goes well and then, you know, I'll be well funded to take it to the U S hopefully. 100% bro. 100%. We'll all be there, all supported. Like, it, you know, I, I think that Canada will stand out for people like, you know, you and I know I'll, I'll be out there, you know, grabbing stuff and supporting. And, and you know, the 50 is definitely too big for my parents, but the when the 10 drops in the store, definitely going to be grabbing that for my gas. I'm going to yeah. cut it up into a couple slices for my parents. I'm saying, oh, that's why I said that's the problem with it. It's too good. And yeah. you're, you're also going to see, guys, uh, the packaging in the in the legal market. I wouldn't say it's over the top, but if you look at how, you know, how, how I am with presentation in the legacy market, I want to maintain that beyond that. Um, you know, I hate honestly, like the, the reason why everything comes in those nice boxes with the, with the trays and everything is so everything arrives, not scuffed, right? I, I I'm not going to be just putting a, a chocolate in a pouch. So it's going to arrive all scuffed and screwed up, right? Like the, the package is going to be a little over the top. Um, not over the top per se, but it's going to protect the chocolate really well. So it's going to arrive in pristine condition. So no scuffs, you eat with your eye first, you know, you don't want to look at a piece of chocolate. that looks like it's been through the ringer, right? Especially when, you know, I'm shipping from Ontario to multiple different provinces and from the province, you know, the distribution center has got to go to the stores. It's going to be handled quite a few times, right? So I want to make sure that it's packaged properly. I'm hanging on to mine as a little piece of history. Yeah, there's actually, uh, there's few people I know that have those baller boxes framed. There's one, there's one guy who actually has every single baller box that I've ever launched. Um, that's tough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we were just talking with, with, uh, real deal and, uh, they were, you know, they do limited drops of all their shirts and different merch and like, you know, I think that there's a, there's a cool connection to be made there with the exclusivity of what you're doing you know, collecting the boxes and things like that. Like it's, 
it's very on trend for what's what's happening today. I was always a kid who'd like rip the package apart and take the thing out of the package, but um, but you know now I I can definitely see holding on to that because in a few years I'm really excited to you know see what you're up to because I think it's going to be big and I I see it being everywhere. Like I see it really being uh, you know this is something that could sit. This is the the first thing that I've seen that's going to be out of the legal space that could sit on a a sesh table of like some really heavy you know heavy dudes and and it'd be something that it's like yeah that's on par with the quality of all the other materials sitting on this table so um yeah i mean that you know i I was able to actually you know use the exact same recipes right i didn't have to change anything um you know i'll be completely honest the uh the raspberry peanut butter cup um far too expensive to make um you know i take a big hit on the margin on the raspberry so please when you buy them buy one of each so the milk chocolate compensates for the raspberry (laughs) <laughs> Yo, my other idea is you should do one dose and one not dose because like you're going to eat the dose one and then a little bit later no, or or a half dose with two yeah yeah in it so one there's raspberry and then there's also milk chocolate that the, the, the original goal the, the original goal was to have just as you see it there the peanut butter collection with one of each in it um the, the cost is just too high unfortunately um so i had to i had to go that this route for now and you know right now like i'm funding this all myself right so i've got to be really really conscious of all costs um once once i get to a point where where you know there's there's some money you know then we'll get to some really cool uh different format sizes you know i have uh i have the full full one year roadmap built out with um lots of other ideas that i just haven't positioned on a timeline yet um you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna be very proactive here and get all my um, my NNCPs and everything put in for the entire year right now. So the market's very dynamic, right? Things change very quickly. So, uh, you know, NNCPs can hold you up for two months. So if I get all my NNCPs submitted now for the year, I'm going to have the flexibility to launch what I want when I want uh, to, you know, to respond to those market dynamics, right? For example, if I launch a certain flavor and four other, four other LPs come out with that flavor during the same product call, you know, maybe I need to pivot really quick and come up with something new and fresh, right? So, uh, you know, I'm definitely thinking ahead and, uh, you know, planning everything ahead. So I, I'm ready. That's fucking awesome. I'm, 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 I'm really stoked. Maybe a rosin head, but you're not a classic lazy pothead. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, that, that's something perhaps I am, right? Like, honestly, like this is, um, this, this whole chocolate thing has, um, you know, it's really consumed my life. It's, it's kind of, you know, changed me as a human to be completely honest. Right. I've, I've never been this motivated. I've never been this driven. I've never had the confidence. I've never believed in myself. Um, like, like I have through this journey. Right. And you know, there's, there's nights, like even last week I'm laying in bed, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this certain task. I don't know how I'm going to do that next morning. You know, I get up and I have no choice. I have to figure it out. Right. So then you figure it out. And, you know, you start, you start understanding that, um, you know, you're pretty much unstoppable if you, if you just go at it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. That's, that's awesome, bro. Were there people along the way in your journey that were teaching you about infusions and, and, uh, you know, edible creation with chocolate or was this all trial and error by yourself? Yeah, it's all, it's all been trial and error. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to work for, uh, a private equity company. Um, and that's actually where this entrepreneurial like spirit came from. Uh, working with a private equity company, uh, they owned, you know, several restaurants, you know, thousands and thousands of franchises. Um, I got really close with the owners. There was three brothers there. Um, and I just started soaking up, you know, knowledge from them. Right. And when I started the can of chocolatier and shattered sweets there, um, Shatter Suites was actually licensed to one of their friends. And then I started, um, Canada Chocolatier, uh, while I was there. So from there, you know, I started learning how to, you know, do all the financial stuff that, that I had to do, you know, to open up a corporation. Um, and, you know, I really soaked up a lot of knowledge from them. Uh, they actually got heavily into cannabis. Um, you know, so I, I got to see a lot of, a lot of really cool, uh, cannabis stuff go down while I was there. And, um, when I left there, 
um, I, I went to I went to the the large LP directly from there, and I stayed there for three years. And you know, the whole time while I was at the large LP, you know, I was coming up with new ideas, coming up with new recipes. But like I said, um, Rosin Heads wasn't wasn't in the plans, right? I had other brands. And, you know, I just started slowly taking recipes from other brands and, you know, moving them into rosin heads. But, you know, I originally had had three brands positioned. Every brand had different recipes. Each brand was targeted to a different consumer segment, you know, with different inputs, different doses, et cetera. Um, but with the reception that rosin had got, you know, I'd be stupid not to put everything else aside and just focus 100% on this, right? Yeah. The, the market tells you the market tells you what they want, right? And you know, I'm not I'm not the one going out there saying, you know, I'm ultra premium, I'm the best. None of that, right? The I, I and my my price point isn't premium, but at the end of the day, I don't dictate premium. The producer doesn't dictate premium by the price point. The consumers dictate premium by their enjoyment of the product. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I. Would there be a, is there plans for another brand that would be a solvent-based brand? Like, are there things that you can't do with solventless resin that you can do with, with a, with a solvent-based extract in, in chocolate or candy? Um, so I started out using Shatter, right? Shatter Sweets was a Shatter-based brand. And from there, I moved to Distillate, uh, you know, under the under the guise that Distillate was tasteless. But, you know, we all know Distillate actually tastes way worse than cannabis because it's concentrated THC. So, you know, it's always been funny to me when uh, people say, oh, I hate the taste of cannabis. No, really, you hate the taste of THC Distillate. You haven't actually had the taste of cannabis in your edibles, right? Um, so it, it's it's been the, – the journey for me has been um, – Shatter, distillate, rosin. I can't see myself going back to live resin. I can't see myself going back to shatter. Um, you know, it, there's nothing inherently unhealthy about, you know, sh shatter, live resin, etc. I just don't know that I want to be the guy doing a live resin chocolate. However, if the market tells me that's where I need to go, that's where you'll go. That's yeah. where I'll go. Right? There's no moral ob objections to it. Just in yeah. my opinion, solventless is where it's at, right? Absolutely. And and why is that? Like, what 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 observations and what what makes you say that? So, number one, first and foremost, the reason why anybody consumes anything, the effects, right? Ten, right? Especially in a ten milligram chocolate, people can't really get good effects off a ten milligram distillate chocolate, and. Um, 10 milligrams of rosin actually hits you a little bit. You know what I mean? Not, it doesn't KO you, you know, if you've got a tolerance, but 10 milligrams of rosin, a heavy user can feel, Stop. right? Beyond that, obviously it's a full spectrum, right? But beyond that, it's the flavor and it's the way that I compare the, the actual cannabis flavor with the chocolate, which is something that hasn't been done. You know what I mean? Way back in the day, I remember everybody was using butter. All edibles tasted like cannabis. Right. And to, in my opinion, those edibles tasted better than the new generation of distillate edibles. Right. But because the butter was always so inconsistent, you never knew the dose. You never knew the strain. Not not all butter edibles tasted great. Right. Um, with rosin, I can be much more selective. I can choose the strains and, you know, taste, flavor, effect. Right. And so, I mean, honestly, if, if, if we're being honest, right, like. This is where the market's going. This is where the trends are, as for very good reason, right? Yeah. Have you experimented with higher end solventless products or extracts versus lower end solventless extracts and, and, and found a marked difference? I, I ask because I've never done it, but I have friends who, you know, make edibles out of really, really high end resin and say that it's, it's dramatic it's dramatically different than if you were to make it out of lower grade resin. Is that what you, is that an experience that you, you've shared? Yeah, 100%. So, um, you know, obviously fire in, fire out, right? It's the same, it's the same as anything else, right? Um, you know, you, by the time you get to second press and whatnot, the terpenes are usually less pronounced or usually more muted. And it's just more of a, 
decarbed rosin case as opposed to a strain specific case, right? Uh, just the other week, um, I got some, uh, so Cody Colson's one of, one of my friends, right? He sent me, um, you know, he actually went to the store, purchased two grams of that, uh, animal face, uh, first press, you know, the really, really nice, um, rosin that he launched into the legal space. Uh, so I made him some chocolates, uh, with that. Um, I would say that's probably the nicest input material I've worked with. Um, you know, and I, they're probably some of the most expensive edibles I've ever, I've ever made in my life. Right. If you know the, the price point of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, so, um, yeah, there's, there's a definite difference in the taste. Like, uh, you can actually taste the strain a lot more than opposed to just decarbed rosin. Are you, do you have a, what's your tolerance for edibles? Like, like, are you, uh, I, you they don't work. No, they don't work. Um, so the last time I, I even tried to, you know, consume, consume edibles was, uh, I had some dental surgery. I was taking uh 600 milligram rosin caps, uh, decarb rosin caps a few times a day, um, for over a week. And I, I barely felt stoned like for the entire week. However, um, two days after I stopped taking them, um, for whatever reason, I, I was, I was fucked for a couple of days after, but like, I didn't feel the effects. Like I, I for maybe my liver processed everything, like some delayed reaction or whatever, but I was laid out like after the fact. That's interesting. That's very so is that, is that from years of, of use or is that something? Yeah. You always... Yeah. Okay. So like my tolerance for, for smoking is super low, right? Like I. I went from smoking, you know, two ounces a week, you know, like literally getting up, smoking a joint, going to work, you know, smoking a joint at my night, my, you know, nine o'clock break, smoking two joints at lunch, smoking a joint at my three o'clock break, smoking a joint on the way, way home and, you know, smoking all night. I went from that because I used to have really bad social anxiety. That's, you know, how, how I got into cannabis. That's how I gained all the knowledge that I have about cannabis because, you know, when it's kind of a life or death situation. You know, and it's not, you know, technically life or death. Nobody was shooting at me, but when you have anxiety like that, you kind of feel like that. Right. So, um, you know, it, it, when it's life or death situation like that, you learn a lot more, you learn a lot quicker. Um, and you know, because I had to consume two ounces a week, you know, I started growing everything else. Um, but as I got older, as I started gaining confidence, you know, that anxiety started going away. And I'm at the point right now, I only smoke uh, a couple bombs before bed. So like my tolerance for smoking non-existent my tolerance for edibles they don't work that's very interesting super interesting i'm the opposite i pretty much can smoke all day but edibles like uh, after 200 milligrams i'll start like feeling like i'm moving in slow motion which i don't mind i just if you need me to move around it's not a good it's not a good time um, yeah i'm starting so to already feel it in my body <laughs> with that with Shattered Sweets, I was doing these 300 milligram lights out lollipops was the name, right? I used to have cute names for, for products, um, you know, trying to really market them, you know, Space Sponge Toppy, uh, Lights Out Lollipops. Um, I used to come up with cool names for products and now um, I just let the products speak for themselves. I don't try to get trendy. I don't try to do anything. It's a milk chocolate peanut butter cup, right? Like... Do you find that, that doing more extravagant, uh, flavor combinations attracts more consumers or are more consumers attracted to stuff that's more like old faithful, like a score bar recreation? See, I think, I think there's both consumers for sure. Nostalgia always, um, always wins. You know what I mean? Like that's why, you know, there's a raspberry peanut butter cup that brings everybody back to their childhood. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the, one of the most successful, uh, boxes that I did um was uh crunchy you know what i mean which was sponge toppy and and chocolate uh milk and white chocolate right that really resonated with a lot of people because they're very familiar with it um in my opinion and what i've always found is um there's a certain point you know you with, with at least with my brands there's a certain point i can go um you know as far as you know going out there where people are receptive to it and then, you know, I can, I can step over the line and people just don't care anymore. People, people just think it's stupid. You know what I mean? And you'll see, like, if you look back at, um, you know, 
especially some of the designs I was doing with the Canon Chocolate Pier. If you look at what I'm doing with Rosinez, you'll see Rosinez is a lot more minimalistic than the Canon Chocolatier was. Canon Chocolatier was a lot more flash, um, you know, with the designs and stuff. Rosinez, to me, I want it to be more elegant. I want it to be more simplistic. I want it to be more timeless. Um, so, yeah, I just really, like, le less is more, in my opinion, with, with it, right? And I, I always found it funny when, you know, certain, certain products have... Um, you know, like when people make cupcakes or whatever, they got like 30 different toppings on it, right? They got little balls, they got stars, they got this, they've got that, right? Because they just, they just don't know what to do apparently, right? So I just, I try, I try to be very, very consistent and just very minimalistic with what I'm doing, right? And when I, when I do flavors, like you'll see with the baller boxes, every baller box was always two different flavors, right? And I would launch, you know, one or two different baller boxes a month. Um, and there was, there was a very strategic reason for that. Um, when, when I sold the can of chocolate here, you know, to the large LP, I also sold them, you know, a large portfolio of recipes. So doing the, the baller boxes that had two different flavors in them and doing a drop every month over the last nine months, that's allowed me to create 18 different new recipes, right? So very strategic, you know, yeah, great. I gave the consumers. Lots of different choice and everything I did was one and done, right? I would, I would do it limited edition, certain amount of boxes. This is it, never doing it again. But now I have all these recipes for the legal market. That, that's awesome. So just like wrapping up here, Todd, like what, what advice do you have for brand, brands and, 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 and young entrepreneurs or, or just entrepreneurs in general, like yourself coming, coming behind you with different, but similar ideas like this, what, what advice would you have for them? I mean, the same advice that, that I gave off the top, believe in yourself. That's, that's it really. Cause uh, everything else you can learn, you know what I mean? You can learn how to do the paperwork. You can learn how to, you can learn how to make the chocolate. You can learn how to make the product. If you don't believe in yourself, you're going to give up. That's it, man. I, I just want to thank you again. Like, you know, this was honestly some of the nicest chocolate I've had like that, that the, the raspberry, I'm a peanut butter jelly fan. So that, that to me was, was a, a, a really nice surprise. And, and I'm, I'm really stoked that we were able to connect when I was in Toronto. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked you had time to come on the show today. I, I really appreciate your time. Yeah. No problem. Tom. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. These are, these are some great chocolates. So yeah, unreal. And I wish you definitely, the most success. I will definitely be, uh, trying to yeah. buy them out at the, at the local dispensaries yeah. when they yeah. because like yeah. unreal, man. I, I, ha yeah, I, as I said before, best, best dose chocolates I've ever had to the point where I absolutely would pay for them, uh, non-dose probably at the same price because yeah, I'd eat these not even to get high. Awesome. So great work, man. Where can people find you, Todd? Um, kind of in hiding. No, uh, <laughs> Instagram, Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> uh, obviously I'm not in hiding anymore. Right. And like, this is yeah. the first time I've actually showed my face in, in connection with this brand. Um, you know, it's funny, right. After being in the industry over five years, um, everything that I've done pretty much a uh, legacy market. So I've never connected the dots between all the brands. So this is the first time that people know that I was that guy. I was that guy that worked at that big LP that launched all those products. I was that guy who was a can of chocolatier. I was that guy who was Shatter Sweets. I'm that guy who's Rosnet, right? Now it's kind of out in the open. I'm that guy, you know what I mean? So the, the next step, as you guys see, I'm very good at building brands, cannabis brands. Uh, the next step is building my personal brand, right? So I really appreciate the opportunity of you guys bringing me on here. Because like I said, this is the first time I've shown my face. This is the first time people know who I am now, right? Hey, man, we, 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 we appreciate it. We'd love to have you back on. We're going to start doing, uh, in, in conjunction with these sort of one-on-one -on -one interviews, we're going to start doing larger roundtables. We're actually going to probably go like big time, like 10, 12 people and, and, and have topics and, and discussions that we bring on. And I'd love to bring you on in a Canadian round table. Just, I think you bring a really unique perspective as somebody who's, you know, started on the, on, in the traditional market, gone into the, the 
the belly of the beast, so to speak, on the legal side and then come back out. And, you know, that's that's something that you and I and and, and I think a few of us share. Um, and uh, and I think you provide a really, really unique perspective. And I think you've got a really great attitude. And, and I think, you know, believe in yourself is, is, is the attitude. And I know what you feel when you're like, I got a fire in my belly and I wake up every day ready to eat each day. And, you know, before, maybe not so much. And so um, stoked to stay in touch with you, man. Stoked to have connected with you. Thank you so much for your time, man. And, and we really appreciate well, you. Thank you, yeah, guys. Very much appreciate appreciate you. All the best. Again, talk to you guys. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Sunday, Real Deal Resin. Check it out. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. See ya.